This is Jillian Farmer, Renewable Energy Reporter with New Project Media. Sam Wade is with us today to talk about renewable natural gas. He is the Director of Public Policy at the Coalition for RNG and has previously worked as the Chief of the Transportation Fuels Branch at the California Air Resources Board, where he oversaw the Low Carbon Fuel Standard Program for four years. Sam, thank you for joining us. All right. So, Sam, thank you for being here. Uh, and if we can start off, uh, can you tell us why RNG is such an important part of the renewable energy market? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So what renewable natural gas offers um, to gas utilities when compared to other uh, forms of renewable energy is it's storable and dispatchable. And that makes it a really effective complement to things like solar and wind. Um, and the way that RNG is made is as organic waste breaks down, um, it, it emits methane, which is a potent greenhouse gas. And so RNG projects capture that methane, um, whether it's from food waste, animal manure, wastewater sludge, or garbage. And they kind of those projects redirect it away from the environment and um, to productive use uh, as a fuel. Um, and so, you know, that makes it uh, very valuable um, for the sort of upstream methane reduction benefits, but also as a complete drop in substitute for conventional natural gas that can be used by gas utilities to supply all their current customers. Perfect. And why is it an appealing alternative for gas utilities? Yeah, because it allows them to begin to decarbonize their system, right? I mean, uh, of course, many of the leading utilities in the country are thinking about the climate change and the importance of moving renewable molecules through their, their pipes, just as the electric system is now moving a lot of renewable electrons. And so uh, as they explore ways to, to do that, to become a, a supplier of renewable gas, they've seen that um, RNG derived from waste is a very attractive way to do that. And how has RNG grown as an industry over the years? And how fast has that growth been? Yeah, sure. Um, the RNG industry has really experienced pretty unprecedented growth in the, in the last um, 10 years or so. Uh, so initially, the first pipeline interconnected project um, was, was constructed and built in 1982. And between 1982 and 2011, there were only about 30 more projects that were developed, um, most of which were sort of incentivized by state level renewable portfolio standard programs. Um, and then uh, in 2011, the transportation fuel programs came along and offered stronger incentives. Um, and so uh, now, uh, well, in, in between 2011 and now, more than 150 RNG projects were constructed and brought into operation uh, with a, a real ramp up in the last few years. In fact, there's a, an additional 241 projects that are under construction or have completed significant development. Um, and so that's, that's a, a real uh, exciting growth rate for the industry. And we're just thrilled with the progress we've made uh, over the last decade. Wow. And how are policies like Oregon's 2019 Senate Bill 98 helping gas utilities bring RNG into market? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The, having the gas utilities begin to procure RNG adds an even greater incentive uh, to build projects and really, I think that the robust goals of Oregon's uh, Senate Bill 98 really is what distinguishes it from other efforts in other states. Uh, you know, they're targeting RNG blend levels at 10% of current demand by 2025 and up to 30% by 2050. And so that's, I think, the appropriate level of ambition for renewable gases derived from organic waste. 
and it offers, you know, as I said, an excellent complement to the incentives that are, are occurring in the federal renewable fuel standard and state level low carbon fuel standard or clean fuel standard uh, like Oregon's and California's. Wow. And should we expect more policies than other states and possibly even at the federal level? Yeah, I think as more states adopt aggressive climate goals, um, they'll certainly want to do more uh, to decarbonize the gas sector. And it will take a wide portfolio of technologies to get there. Um, RNG procurement will be a key component, uh, but there will be pushes to um, you know, reduce methane leaks from the system, um, obviously increase efficiency to reduce demand for gas and uh, do electrification of certain end use applications where appropriate. And so RNG is part of that broad portfolio of things you need to do to get to um, a, a low carbon future on the gas side of things, as is uh, other renewable gases like hydrogen, for example. And what states are we seeing the most RNG action and why? Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, any state that has an aggressive uh, sort of utility procurement program will see a lot of growth in the near term. Um, but historically, the drivers have been the transportation fuel programs. And so it's been states like California uh, and Oregon that have sort of been demand sinks and pulls for the projects. And so that's pretty exciting. And then at the federal level, you know, there is conversation now as well about um, sort of uh, potentially tax incentives that would um, significantly enhance the total sort of certainty for project developers uh, that these projects will be cost effective and therefore will lead to a lot of expansion in the industry. Um, but it's any state that has a large amount of agricultural waste or organic waste that could benefit from, from developing RNG in the long run. And what states are we seeing this the most right now? Yeah, I think it's Oregon and California, um, certainly as the leaders in conceptual policy development, but the projects themselves are spread throughout the country. Um, California has the highest number of projects because uh, you know, have, they have a lot of um, agricultural projects, which tend to be smaller. Uh, but if you look at a, on our website, we have a, a full project map listed and there's a project in almost every state at this point. And in many states, it's in the tens to 20 uh, amount of projects per state. So especially when you have major po population centers or major uh, places with agricultural activity, uh, you know, this is a great way to process and clean up the waste and turn it into something valuable. Wow, perfect. And which other uh, programs might come forward to move the RNG into market? Uh, will we see more tax incentives, like you mentioned, uh, like we're seeing for wind and solar? Yeah, I think at the federal level, um, Democrats in the current Congress have identified the reconciliation bill as a vehicle that will likely contain incentives and investment for clean energy. Um, and so the RNG coalition continues to advocate for favorable tax policies to help offset the cost of developing the projects, um, both for hydrogen and for biomethane uh, from anaerobic digestion. And, and I do think that's uh, an important piece of what um, the current the Biden administration is trying to accomplish with respect to climate change. Um, dealing with, with methane from organic waste is gonna get us a, a long way toward our goals and really should be one of the first things that um, either uh, the federal government or ambitious states do uh, to address um, climate in the next five to 10 years. Wow. Well, Sam, uh, those were all of my questions. Is there anything you would like to add to uh, tell our listeners? Yeah, really only that, um, you know, solid waste is expected to grow nearly 70% by 2050. Um, and so that part of the problem is not going away. Uh, and RNG is a near-term solution 
um, that can help address that waste challenge and turn it into productive uh, clean energy. And it's compatible with the conventional gas system. So um, that, that makes it attractive to utilities as we talked about. And we think of RNG as a big driver for reducing methane, you know, a critical short-lived plant pollutant. So putting those two uh, key, key pieces together, um, really we think it's a, a near-term technology that deserves uh, continued support and, and uh, um, hopefully uh, will we'll continue to grow as fast as it has been recently. All right. So Sam, uh, if we can talk a little more about Oregon's 2019 Senate Bill 98, what does that look like and how is that helping RNG? Yeah, so Oregon's uh, bill really is um, one of the most important and model policies for the RNG community across the country right now. Um, you know, it sets a strong incentive uh, for the gas utility to begin to use RNG in a way that um, provides uh, a nice glide path toward using 30% of their, the system, um, the gas system's demand with RNG. And what makes that unique is that the, it's the most stringent target that we've seen in any state level uh, utility procurement legislation across the country. Uh, and Northwest Natural has begun to implement that program at this point and has uh, run a variety of solicitations to try and um, enter into contracts with RNG project developers. And they've gotten, my understanding is they've gotten great response. Um, so they've begun to speak with uh, some folks like Tyson Foods and other big names uh, in, in the um, agricultural space. Uh, and they're interested in producing uh, RNG for Oregon, as well as working with you know, more local projects at wastewater treatment plants and landfills, et cetera. So uh, they're getting a lot of uh, good response from the producer community. And they've also sort of pioneered the tracking of the gas uh, across the country with the uh, Midwestern Renewable Energy Tracking System. Um, so that's, we view that as an important part of how these utility procurement programs will unfold as well. Wow. And can you talk a little bit about that tracking system? Yeah, sure. So because um, renewable natural gas is fully fungible with conventional natural gas when you put it in the pipeline, uh, it's really important to keep track of who owns the right to claim the environmental benefits of that gas. Um, and this is very similar to how renewable power uh, is tracked through renewable electricity certificates or RECs. Um, and so MRETS uh, is a system to track uh, the, the environmental benefits of renewable thermal products uh, and um, they've been, you know, sort of setting up this system um, for quite some time, and the Oregon uh, program is the first to require the use of it uh, or the use of, of uh, this type of tracking system. So we think that's a really positive step. We think that'll make it much easier uh, for RNG to be a fungible commodity similar to conventional natural gas. Wow. And uh, what is similar between that Senate bill and uh, California's Senate bill 1440? Yeah, California's bill was passed first, actually, in 2018, um, and it directed the California Public Utilities Commission to look at setting up utility procurement standards um, in the same way that SB 98 requires in Oregon. Uh, but it doesn't have um, goals in the statute, uh, and therefore, uh, you know, the Public Utilities Commission in California is spending a lot of time deliberating around those goals, uh, which is great. Um, but we, you know, obviously we're excited when Oregon passed their law and the Oregon uh, Public Utilities Commission went so quickly toward adopting the rule and giving Northwest Natural the ability to procure. Wow. Um, so they're both similar structures of, of programs um, in concept, 
but the Oregon one is fully implemented and the California one is not yet fully implemented. When do you think the California one uh, will be implemented? I don't want to speculate too much. Uh, the PUC process is um, you know, fluid, uh, but they have an excellent staff white paper that they've published and they've taken uh, a round of comment uh, on that um, from a variety of stakeholders. So hopefully that gives them enough to begin to move um, toward a proposed decision that the commission would then eventually vote on. All right. And uh, Colorado also recently passed a Senate bill, uh, Senate bill 21-264. How is this going to help uh, RNG in Colorado? Yeah, it's another opportunity for the industry for sure, um, but it's really structured as sort of a broader, you know, utility decarbonization bill, which puts a lot of you know options on the table for the utility to use, and it to some extent limits the amount of RNG that can be used because uh, there's a cap on the total amount of avoided methane um, that can be uh, used toward the targets and. Uh, avoided methane also includes other non-renewable sources uh, that are still environmentally beneficial, like coal mine methane. Um, and so we don't believe that, uh, you know, it'll necessarily be a, a, as big of a driver as SB 98, but it's an important first step for the utilities uh, in Colorado, and it should give them the ability to procure some RNG and get some experience with it, uh, and then hopefully, you know, grow the targets uh, for the use of RNG in the future. Wow. And Minnesota uh, also just passed a bill, it's HF6, and it has the Natural Gas Innovation Act. Can you talk about that act and how this will affect the RNG market over there? Yeah, it's similar in structure to, to Colorado's bill in that it allows the utility to do a wide variety of things, but I think it's a little bit more ambitious um, and it's more likely to lead to a significant build out of the RNG resource in the state. Um, and so, you know, that's, you know, important sort of structure is to allow um, RNG to have its proper place within the suite of decarbonization technologies that um, the state wants to pursue out there. And I think it will um, be, be very helpful to the industry, uh, maybe not quite as much as SB 98 in Oregon, but certainly uh, a very important step forward. Wow. And uh, circling back real quick on Oregon Senate Bill 98, uh, the program there, you, you've mentioned before in a previous interview about this bill, a story that we did at NPM. NPM. Uh, the program is similar, you said, or it builds on the clean fuel program seen for transportation in California, as well as Oregon. Can you talk about uh, how it does that? Yeah. The key part about these programs is they evaluate the full life cycle of how the renewable natural gas is made and moved to market uh, and eventually consumed by the end consumer. And so what that does is it lets the full story be told about the environmental benefits and, you know, some disbenefits of producing RNG, right? I mean, if uh, you make it from certain feedstocks, it can have very big environmental benefits, such as avoiding methane from dairy manure uh, or from uh, organic waste material that's diverted from a landfill. Um, and that's all captured in, in this type of scoring. It, alternatively, if you had made it from uh, a source that was highly energy intensive or carbon intensive, you would have a bad score in these programs. And so it sends the right signals um, to make RNG in the lowest carbon way possible across the full life cycle of making it and moving it to market and then using it. Wow. Uh, and Northwest Natural so far in Oregon is the only utility to come out with a program under Senate Bill 98. 
Can you tell us a little of what they're doing? Yeah, so they've begun to procure at this point, um, and they're you know basically uh, working toward uh, a system where you know all consumers will benefit from that procurement. Um, so they have the option to purchase and develop RNG, totaling about two percent of their annual sales, is my understanding uh, uh, right now, uh, and that's enough to heat about thirty-six thousand homes. Um, and of course, that's going to grow over time in line with the voluntary goals in the statute. Wow. And circling back on the possibility of tax incentives for RNG, uh, can you talk a little more about what those might look like? Yeah, so federally, um, the House Ways and Means Committee is expected to mark up its portion of the budget reconciliation bill. Uh, when the U.S. House reconvenes the week after Labor Day. Um, and so that's likely to contain a host of clean energy incentives. Um, and we're, we continue to advocate for uh, incentives specific to the production and use of RNG, specifically the inclusion of biogas property, including all cleaning and conditioning equipment um, in what's called the Section 48 energy credit and uh, production and investment tax credits that allow the use of RNG um, into renewable hydrogen. Uh, and so those you know, sort of credits do not exist today. And it's one reason that um, using RNG into the pipeline is sort of at a disadvantage in some instances relative to using it to make power on site, for example. So that this would help levelize the playing field there and open up new opportunities for RNG use. Um, we're, you know, at this point, our, our industry is, is putting in support letters um, to the chair of the Ways and Means uh, um, Select Revenue Member Subcommittee and uh, to um, the House Ways and Means Committee generally. And we're just saying we think that it's very critical uh, to continue to port, support RNG and other low carbon technologies uh, through these tax credit systems. Wow. And uh, also on these tax incentives, these possible tax incentives, do you think they could also include financial incentives to build? Yeah, so that that's right. I mean, um, a tax credit is a form of a financial incentive, uh, and it would offer the um, incentives either uh, the investment credit is available up front uh, as you build, you know, you demonstrate that your project is constructed and you receive a credit for an investment um, and alternatively, some of the tax credits are structured as production tax credits, whereas as you produce the renewable energy, um, as you show you're producing it, you receive um, a tax benefit. So uh, those two structures are both out there. Either of them can work well for RNG facilities, um, but yeah, it's focused on uh, you know, the including, including the, the gas cleanup equipment, which previously has not been accounted for and allowing the same credit to be applicable even if the gas flows into the pipeline system rather than being used on site to make power. Wow. Uh, and do you think that these tax incentives could also possibly um, be reimbursements after the fact? So yeah, the, the tax structure um, of these credits means you need to sort of have the tax liability uh, to receive a benefit. Um, but in the past for solar and for other, you know, renewables, um, companies with tax liability have stepped up to help smaller companies that may not have that liability realize the credit. And in some cases, those transactions can make, uh, you know, basically the reimbursement come to the facility 
um, you know, from that, that party that has the tax liability. Uh, and do you think opportunity zones could play a factor or is that still too early for, for that consideration? I think it's still too early to say at this point um, whether or not that'll, that'll be part of, of this conversation. Well, Sam, uh, those were my questions. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? No, nope, that's it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you.